0: Tonight, we're going to be in 2 Kings and uh, chapter 4, verses 38 through 41. You've never heard a sermon by this title before. You may never hear one again. Worship Soup How to Keep Your Church Out of a Stew. So, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 38. One of the great stories of Elisha, very simple story, but we're going to look at it and talk about it and how it applies to us tonight. And Elisha came again to Gilgal when there was a famine in the land, and the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. He said to his servants, set on the large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. One of them went out into the field to gather herbs. And found a wild vine and gathered from it his lap full of wild gourds and came and cut them up into the pot of stew, not knowing what they were. And they poured out some for the men to eat, but while they were eating of the stew, they cried out, O man of God, there is death in the pot, and they could not eat it. He said, Then bring flour and they threw it into the pot. Pour some out for the men, he said, that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. That's a very simple story. We'll try to take some principles about church relationships from it. And so, as we consider this stew here that they made in the Old Testament, we see that it was a, it was a man-made problem first. It was something that should never have happened And once it did happen, uh, it was no longer a problem that a man or a group of men could handle. It was a problem that only God could solve. What I want to remind you tonight is that when we come together as God's people, everything we bring here, everything I bring and everything you bring, blends into a kind of worship soup that we offer the lord some of you how many of you grew up watching captain kangaroo growing up you some of you did do you remember the story you used to read called stone soup where everybody brought all they, this guy you know he made the stone soup he was going to make it with a stone and they said how are you going to make soup with a stone he said well somebody needs to bring some potatoes and so, so everybody brought something, and before long, they had the most wonderful soup. I, I remember that story from childhood. But what you and I often bring to the pot is leftover hurts that are old and ugly that were never brought to the cross. That includes grudges and ill will of every kind, hurtful and harmful spirits and attitudes. And so those things, we put once we put them in, we can't take them back out. I've never been in a church really where there wasn't some of that. It's it's in every church, I suppose in every family. But if you want to keep your church out of a stew, out of some crock pot of controversy, then it's your personal responsibility to make sure that what you bring to the mix is wholesome, helpful, and God-honoring. Now so You see the sermon has two titles. Uh, Worship soup is one, and the the subtitle is how to keep your church out of a stew. We just look at the text now, at the Bible text, and we see it was a difficult time. The sons of the prophets were hungry, and Elisha came, so they decided to make some soup. And this unnamed brother, uh, doing what he thought was best to add to the mix, went out and found some nice-looking gourds. And without knowing what they were, cut them up, threw them into the pot, and the result was that when they dished out the bowls of stew, after a few spoonfuls, somebody realized those gourds were apparently poison. And they said, there's death in the pot. They, they made the stew, and now they were in a stew. It wasn't pleasing to them. How could it have been pleasing to God? So. We want to make sure as we walk through this that we keep something like that from happening here. I'm not talking about the, the the soup or the food that is made at Wednesday night suppers. I'm talking about the little individual pot of your soup or your stew that you bring and add to the general flavor of what we have here that we offer up as worship to God because we want it, we want it to be pleasing to the Lord. So, Here's the first principle, there are only three. This will be long and short at the same time, so hold on. Be careful, number one, be careful about what you put into the pot. In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews said, See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble and by it many be defiled. Now I have some pictures on the screen, and the first picture I want you to see is somebody adding some roots of bitterness to the pot of stew. What are roots of bitterness? Well, roots are usually where everything gets its start. Uh, uh, apparently, maybe it's been around a while, maybe been cut down, but, you know, it just, it just keeps springing up. Well, they can even spring up new, as you know. Uh, and, and so if there's a, a root of bitterness is something that's been there a while and but the problem is you know when in human relationships all of us this can also be true in a marriage relationship that most of us relate to other people based on our expectations of past relationships somebody did me this way once before you must be that same person you must have that same motive. And so that old bitterness cast a shadow on new relationships. I ran into that 23 years ago this fall. I was dealing with a gentleman who, by everything he said, and he was very honest about it, he didn't trust anybody. Uh, he didn't. He was paranoid about everything that anyone said to him, and uh, he, he, he related to everybody, everybody in the church. He related to them based on old hurts that he had in the past and he assumed that in every new relationship he would be hurt. Well, what it did was it caused bitterness to spring up all around him and soon the tentacles of his bitterness spread across our church. So I would ask you, is there any bitterness in your heart that you bring to the pot uh, of soup, of worship soup, that we offer up to God. Now let me say something here. Bitterness can be from legitimate hurt. People do get hurt. They get hurt in relationships. They get hurt in church. Sometimes they're just hurt with their circumstances, the way life has turned out, and it can cause people to be bitter. But where we need to take our, our, our hurt is to the cross and we need to leave it there and we need to surrender that bitterness even if it's relational bitterness to the Lord who says vengeance is mine I will repay says the Lord we do that before it spreads otherwise before you know it your life is not only the not the only life affected by bitterness it begins to impact everyone and everything around you your family your other relationships so what is your root of bitterness. Maybe everybody has a little one somewhere, something that happened. Even preachers have those. You know, this happened to me in the past and I carry it with me. And so we need to put that at the foot of the cross. What's the source of all hurt anyway? Well, it's the devil. What does he want to do with your hurt? Well, he wants to intensify it. He wants to magnify it. He doesn't want it to be healed, but God wants it to be healed. How can we allow him to do that. Well, remember, some of our hurts are valid. It's not wrong to have been hurt. What is wrong is when we take some hurt and allow it to grow into bitterness and then we bring that to the body and we affect others and we we offer then we offer up worship that's not pleasing to God. He cautions us about uh, a root of bitterness in our worship suit. There are some other things that I want to caution you about that are not in this story, but I think they they're good pictures to show on the screen. Not only are they good pictures to show on the screen, they actually happen in church. The second thing that we don't want to bring to our, put in our, our worship soup, is a can of worms. We don't want a can of worms to be opened and put in our soup. But that often happens in the church. And people that usually open cans of worms, I have found down through the years, Are people that don't really come but when they do come they think this this is something that needs to be done. For instance I have a former church, I won't tell you where it is, that has a church sign. There was a family in the church that thought the church needed a church sign to sit right smack dab on the church property in front of the church. They wanted to donate the church sign but the only problem was They didn't want the church to be allowed to put anything on the sign. They wanted to be allowed to put whatever was on the sign. They wanted to put whatever was on the sign on the sign. And so that's the agreement between them and the church. The church has one side of the sign. The family has the other side of the sign and will from now to perpetuate. They didn't really need that sign. They didn't need it. It's a little tiny sign anyway, it's, and it's a problem. They opened the can of worms, and it, it really didn't add anything to uh, the flavor of the worship. It was just a problem that didn't need to be started. So be careful about opening cans of worms. And I'm telling you, people that open open those can of worms uh, don't usually stay around long enough to see what they cost, or the problem that they solve. They just think it's something that needs to be done and once it's done, they're happy. And the solution for it or you you understand where I'm going with that. Well, let me get to uh, the other thing and that is uh, the person who likes to bring a spoon because with the spoon, if you could show the picture of the spoon, that's a nice spoon, don't you think? So don't add a root of bitterness, don't open a can of worms and don't stir it up. There's some people who just like to stir for stirring sake? They like to have their hand in the pot, and and they like to stir. I don't know why, but they do. On one occasion, we were our minister of music uh, at the church where I served before was talking one Sunday, and it had been a difficult week. Brother Doug, it was cantata time, and in cantata time, he began to feel an undue amount of pressure, and he had this pressure. He had family pressures, just like ministers have families too, we have problems too, and he stood up in the pulpit one Sunday morning, he said, y'all need to pray for me, there's a lot of stuff going on. Well, people took that one word, stuff, and translated it into every kind of circumstance that you could imagine, They, they had, there were rumors of all kinds going around, including the fact that I was trying to run him off. We happened to be personal friends, so that was laughable to us, but it just goes to show what people will do if they have an opportunity to stir. Don't stir the pot. You you know, you can do that, and you can cause problems, and, and, and that's not something that we need to do. Well, uh, so there are other people who, rather than bringing a spoon they like to bring a little they have a I have a son-in-law he, he calls it pepper juice and whatever he eats he likes some pepper juice to go with it we call it pepper sauce where I come from but up in northwest Alabama they call it so you might have a bottle of Tabasco I've got a bottle of Tabasco on the screen because sometimes people like to spice things up they need to make they need it a little spicier than it than it really is and so uh, you know They add things to it and add things to it until it just is really not pleasing to God. The the mix of things, we need to be very careful about that. We need to be careful about what we put in the pot. Remember, every individual believer brings his or her own individual uh, worship soup, which is much like uh, the stew in Elisha's day. So what's in that little pot that you bring. Are you putting something wholesome or harmful in the pot? In relating the present condition of many churches, Mel Blackaby in his book, The God-Centered Church, wrote, I am convinced that much of the trouble among God's people today is they are still carrying years of sin on their shoulders when they thought they'd been forgiven. Their unwillingness to forgive another has left them unforgiven and under the weight of their own sin. Furthermore, their growing accumulation of sin has created a barrier between them and God, leaving them feeling distant from God and bringing deadness to their spirit and deadness to their church. We need to be careful because we want the worship soup that we offer to God not to be a stew of controversy, a crockpot of controversy, but that which is wholesome and pleasing to Him. Now, what happened in Elisha's day could quickly have turned into a tragedy. We look at this passage of Scripture and we see nobody planned it, nobody intended it. Isn't it still the same in the church? When When a church gets into a stew, it's because somebody added something to the pot that didn't belong. Here's the second principle. We looked at the first one. The rest of them won't be as long as the first one. Here's the second one. The first one was for fun. Be careful what you put into the pot. Here's the second one. If the present recipe is not pleasing to God, then we need to take steps to remedy the problem. So I want to ask you that about your own worship. We talked about worship for a period of weeks not too many months ago. But tonight, we're just thinking about what you and I offer to God, this pot of worship soup that we're offering. Is it pleasing to God? Is your personal worship pleasing to God? Is our corporate worship pleasing to God? So, the first step they took was to cry out to Elisha. Why did they cry out to Elisha? Well, you need to know that in those days, in the days of Elisha and Elijah, crying out to either one of those guys was basically the same as crying out for God's help. They were the ones who were going to mediate the help from God. I'm calling on Elisha because I need help from God. They realized this was a problem that only God can solve. So we might say the first step is the step of prayer. Should we realize the least bit of poison in the pot or trouble in the fellowship, we ought to seek the help of the Lord. Now, they could have turned their attention to to talking about the guy with the gourds or the person who threw in the root of bitterness or or the person who stirred the pot or the person who spiced it up. They could have changed churches because they said everybody at our church is sick from the soup, but instead they sought a solution and by reaching out to Elisha, they were reaching out to God. Is that what you need to do? Is that what we need to do? Now, again, the guy who brought the gourds apparently didn't know it was not intentional and so maybe you, you put a hurt in somebody's heart. You intended you didn't intend to cause hurt or harm. Uh, what should you do? Well, do you know what they did? They acknowledged it, and they asked God to deal with it. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. He's talking about worship soup here. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar... And there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. What am I offering up to God? What am I giving to God? I'm giving it to him for him to be pleased. Well, it's distasteful to him if there's something distasteful in me. Because what I'm adding is my own heart. What about the worship that we offer here what was the outcry that went up from this little band of prophets they said oh man of God there's death in the pot and they couldn't eat it so he said bring some flour and they threw the flour into the pot and then it was all all good and so but let me say something here about this story because you missed the point if you try to analyze how did the flour neutralize the poison in the pot this is a miracle This is one of those miracles that Elisha performed. You should see it as a miracle, even if you consider it a small miracle. And here's the point. This is the third principle, and this is what you need to see. Only God can take the poison out of the pot. When you put something into the mix that doesn't belong, and it causes hurt or harm, only God can take the poison out of the pot. Without a doubt, had it not been for the presence of Elisha, uh, who was there in the providence of God there would have been great harm to this gathering of God's people but but here's this miracle. I don't think I'm overstepping our application here when I say that anytime time we mess up the mix of what we're offering to God when relationships get crossed up and things get stirred up or spiced up or somebody opens a can of worms uh, so that Everybody's dissatisfied with the fellowship, with the stew. We're in a stew and we're dissatisfied with it. Only God can remedy it. Bringing harmony and unity and times of refreshing back to the fellowship is something only God can do. Now, I don't know if you're convinced that only God can do that, but I'm convinced that only God can do that. I can't. Have you tried? I've tried. How's that working for us? What about the the stew here, the, the worship soup here? Is it pleasing to you? Are you happy with the way things are going? Do you feel warmed and filled and close to God when you leave every Sunday? Or is there a measure of... I think things need to be a little bit better. How, how do we make it better? Well, here's one of the things that we need to see, and I told you this early on, it wasn't a problem that they could solve. They couldn't solve it. Only God could solve this problem. And that's why they called out to Elisha in the beginning. After being a pastor for 47 years, one of the things I found out, with, I found out and I'm convinced of I'm convinced of this about myself, that I am not an expert on church. I'm not. Uh, Might ought to be, but I'm not. But I know what I can't do. I know what I fail at. I know what I'd like to see happen. I can't make it happen. You perhaps know what you'd like to see happen. But you know what, I found out down through the years that if I try to manipulate my own will into the matter, try to twist arms and make people do what I think they ought to do, it doesn't work. Only God can change people's hearts. And I've had the wonderful opportunity of seeing him do some of that. I'll tell you one quick story and then I'll close. When I was at Camden Baptist Church, and I don't mind calling the church, when I was at Camden Baptist Church, I had been there for seven years. And I had a family that was just really, really, really hard. And uh, they sort uh, of, you, uh, you always felt like they were looking over your shoulder or keeping a notebook on you. In fact, they, they did. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, you never thought that things could get any better. You thought, man, these, some, something's going to have to give. Either I'm going to have to let go or they're going to have to let go. It's like two pit bulls, you know, fighting. Neither one of them wants to let go. I wasn't trying to bite. I was just trying to get loose, you know. Lord, please let me out of this situation. I did, I, it was one of those situations I didn't think would ever get better. But we had a group of men who decided they wanted to pray on Sunday mornings, and they did. They just came to the sanctuary. They came about 7 o'clock in the morning. Just had a prayer meeting, and then they left. They didn't stay but about 15 minutes. During that time, uh, we had the man I told you about who got the spider bite, and, hit, and, and the sp- along came a spider, and, and the spider. God used the spider to bring him to the end of himself and restore his marriage, and he's a good and godly man today. We had the man from South Africa during that time that got saved while those men were praying. And we had this guy in the church who criticized everything I ever did, including one time I asked Brother John Merck to come and preach a revival. And he said to me, "This, these were the words he used. He came in my office and he said, Preacher, you just don't know how to invite somebody to preach a revival. We don't need somebody to come in here and tell us we're sinners. We need somebody to come in here and entertain us. Those were his exact words. Well, This man's a deacon in the church, you know. I'm trying to live with him, trying to deal with him. These men, he among them, come on Sunday mornings and pray. And in one of those prayer meetings at 7 o'clock on Sunday morning, in front of those men, right down by the Lord's supper table, I see it in my mind right now. He said, Brother Eddie, I want to apologize to you. He said, All of these years, and it had been seven of them, I've been wrong, and you've been right. And I want to ask you to forgive me. I did. That man is a dear friend to us to this day. His family means so much to us, they have done so much for us. I would have never dreamed God could have taken the poison out of that pot, but he did. Is there a pot somewhere in your life or maybe in this church that God says, you need to give that pot to me. I'm, I think I can handle that, but you need to quit putting stuff in it and let me see if I can't solve the problem and create something that is pleasing to me and that brings more joy to you than you ever dreamed. Let's pray.